easily understand. Just because it's late doesn't mean we're done yet. I'm just serving up. That's a penalty. And the quarterback, you kidding me, coach? There's still plenty more hits to dish out. Well, he really hit the shit out of that one, didn't he? Look at that. He hit the fing ball. That gets a free stake. <laughs> this is Late Hits. Late Hits. On ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Patrick Creighton. This is the only live local consistent evening sports radio show in the city of Houston. Late hit the FBI 97.5. Patrick Creighton with you. 713-780-3776. 780-ESPN. 713-780-ESPN on the HRMP. Listen to line. On the text line. On Twitter at P. Creighton 1. Josh Vans on the other side of the glass. The master controls at IMJ Chevy on the tweet. Huh? On the Twitch stream. Twitch.tv slash ESPN on 75. ESPN975.com, ESPN975 app. Tell Google, tell Alexa, play ESPN975. Take it with you everywhere you go because, well, you know you want to. You know, it's uh, it's been 24 hours now since uh, D'Amico Ryans was introduced as the, the head coach of the Houston Texans. And D'Amico Ryans still the, the toast of the town around here. Still, still drawing all the buzz, still has... Uh, Fans excited, and you know this is this is kind of like the water. Like we're gonna look back at yesterday with the hiring of D'Amico Ryan's. We're gonna look back and like this is the day that the organization turned. This is the day the worm turned for the Houston Texans, where they went from laughing stock disaster clown operation to having a plan, executing that plan, being able to become a a team that now moves forward. This is, had a conversation with with a, a fellow colleague earlier this afternoon trying to describe what the Texans rebuild that Nick Casario essentially had to to undertake what this rebuild was and you know how this was literally the the biggest rebuild in NFL history between the lack of talent the extremely overpaid underperforming talent the lack of draft picks the salary cap hell and the butting in of a highly unqualified, but guy who had the ear of the owner in Jack Easterby, how all of those things conspired to basically make the Texans the worst rebuild ever. The Texans were worse than an expansion team because at least an expansion team isn't inheriting awful contracts, isn't inheriting a quarterback who just got paid a boatload of money and now gives you the double rods. He doesn't want to play here. Oh, and then turns out to be a sexual predator. Uh, you, you didn't have to deal with all that. Uh, an expansion team has all their draft picks. An expansion team hopefully doesn't have a Jack Easterby, uh, you know, using some kind of magic whammy over the owner to make them do dumb things. These are all things that, 
Casario had to overcome. And yes, there were a couple of trades where he gave away a sixth or a seventh round pick for a guy who didn't make the the roster. Whoop-dee-damn-do. Nick Casario cleared out all the dead weight, heavy cap hit players. Nick Casario got the salary cap now under control where they could potentially have $65 million in cap space this year after the money set aside for the draft. Casario pulled off what can only be described as an absolute heist in getting all the draft picks he got for Deshaun Watson. He's done a good job finding low-priced, under-the-radar free agents, particularly on the defensive side of the football, particularly in the secondary, that have all worked out pretty well. He is drafted very well. All these things, and then, of course, Casario's press conference from about a month ago where when he was asked about, you know, how the coaching process was going to go, and he said, well, there's going to be more voices involved this time. (laughs) Translation, Jack Easterby doesn't have the whammy on Cal McNair to undermine everything we do and say, yeah, just do what Jack says. We don't have Jack screwing everything up anymore. And now they've gotten the guy who, look, was probably the, the top target, the, the number one coaching candidate this coaching cycle among guys who would be first-time head coaches. Every player he has in San Francisco can't say enough good things about him. Every coach in San Francisco can't say enough good things about him. Every guy he used to play with can't say enough good things about him, be it in in Houston or in Philadelphia. I mean, the fact there were, what, over a dozen former players from the Texans at D'Amico Ryan's introductory press conference? There were former players of the Texans at that press conference that I'm convinced 90% of Texans fans don't even remember that guy playing for the team. This was a watershed moment. As of now, we know 100% Nick Casario is in charge of the team. D'Amico Ryans is in charge of this team. And you've got to feel good. You've got to feel hope. You've got to feel that positive energy. That this is where the worm turns for the Houston Texans. Don't be one of these jaded fans who just wants to be negative because, well, you hate your life and you're a bad person. Don't don't be that person. Don't be that guy. And, and, and don't be the one fool, fool enough to think, after you've been talking about how Cal McNair is the village idiot for three years, that all of a sudden he's some kind of rocket genius and... And yet now it's Casario. Casario's the idiot. Let's not forget our recent history because Google remembers. Don't be that person. Everybody knows the negative impact of Jack used to be. Let's not pretend it didn't happen. Let's not pretend that Jack was not a massive negative impact on this team. And now he's gone. So let's let 
Nick Casario and Tomiko Ryans have the opportunity to actually do the job we've wanted them to do. Now we no longer have to deal with other forces within the organization being detriments to the players you might want to sign, to the coaches you might want to bring in. And let's also take a moment to say we remember to all those people who couldn't wait to run their mouths and say, oh, well, you know, nobody's ever going to come coach for the Texans again. They fired two coaches after one year. Nobody's ever going to come here again. No, and, and, and nobody should ever want to go there again, especially a minority coach. They should never want to be there again. Look, the Cleveland Browns got rid of coaches every one in two years for over a decade. Hell, they got rid of their GM every one in two years after for, for over a decade. Nobody had a problem with the San Francisco 49ers getting rid of two coaches. Uh, not all that long ago, was it 20... 15, 2016, 2016, 2017, wasn't that long ago that, um, you know, Chip Kelly was the second, uh, uh, Tom Sula and and Kelly, back-to-back, out-out. Jim Tom Sula, Chip Kelly, bye-bye. And what did they do? They got Kyle Shanahan. So, like you heard D'Amico say yesterday, there's only 32 of these jobs. And it is an honor to get them, even when, if, if you want to say David Cully was set up to fail, of course he was. That's why nobody wanted the job. That's why he got the job. If it was a desirable job that anybody wanted, David Cully wouldn't have been the head coach. You know, was Lovey set up to fail? Yeah, kind of. But at the same time, Lovey dug his own grave because it, it, he made it worse. You can't tell your boss, screw you, I know what I'm doing, L, 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 L. Screw you, I know what I'm doing, L, 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 L. Oh, but at the very end of the year when you need that L, oh, look, we got to win. Yeah. This is, this is the day, yesterday, this is the day that the Texans stopped being a dysfunctional mess. This is the day that the Houston Texans become a real, reputable franchise with an actual direction. And it's, it's hard going through it, but I also remember, once upon a time, all the negative things that everybody said about the Houston Texans for the last few years, y'all said about the Houston Astros not all that long ago. 2012, 2013, 2014, man, I remember. Google remembers. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Wasn't all that long ago. You all said the same thing about the Astros, but they turned it around. This is where the Texans get their turnaround. Uh, we'll hear from D'Amico Ryans. Uh, Matt Schaub was on the wheelhouse yesterday, and he's had some some pretty interesting things to say about D'Amico Ryans. We'll hear from both of those guys next You're listening to ESPN 97.5. 
This is Late Hits on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Presented by Dr. Jennifer Joseph, Get Physical Rx, and by Dr. Krista Reyes, Texas Sinus and Snoring Audiology. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Patrick Creighton. Late Hits, ESPN 97.5. So, once upon a time, I was doing a... uh, I was doing an event for Houston Restaurant Week's kickoff, and there was this this big uh, event to kick off Houston Restaurants Week's, and they had a lip syncing contest, and they had some really great contestants, and and it was it was fun. I was one of the judges who had to judge the the contest, so one of the contestants was uh, a female chef from one of the prominent restaurants in town. And this girl flirted with me so hard the entire time because she wanted me to give her a good, I'm like, why'd you pick me? Like of everybody there, why did you pick the fat white guy? Like there, like, like you know, and all these other guys who were there, why'd you pick me? I thought that was targeting and bullying. But the bigger point of this story was that, uh, I got ambushed and, uh, one of the hosts was Lauren Kelly, who's now with uh, KPRC2. Uh, and Lauren and I have been friends for a long time. She ambushed me, brings me. She's like, hey, I need you to help me with this. And, and as I go up there, she hands me the microphone and leaves. And they played that song, and I had to lip sync that song. And uh, thankfully, I am a child of the 80s, and I knew, all the, I knew all the lyrics to it. So I didn't wholly embarrass myself. But there's no way to do lip syncing in front of like 400 strangers and not embarrass yourself. There's no way to do that. But, uh, yeah, uh, I still owe her for that one, actually. I still owe her for that. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was a fun time. It was, there was there were a lot of laughs, a lot of laughs. People, people certainly got lots of laughs at my expense that night. I was a good sport about it. <laughs> Uh, D'Amico Ryans is still the the biggest topic here in Houston, still uh, dominating every topic, uh, every show all across the city. Uh, With D'Amico, you can see the energy, the positivity, the mindset. Everything about D'Amico just radiates winner, leader, uh, and and that things are, are, are going right. For the Houston Texans. Here's some from D'Amico yesterday talking about how excited he is to get to work with some of the young talent on the Houston Texans defense. That's what excites me the most is being able to work with young guys and young guys who are talented. Stingley has outstanding talent, scouted him uh, the last year. And I know the talent that he has, know the competitor that he is. Right, going to put him in position to make a lot of plays for us. Right, put him in a position where he can excel and showcase his talents. Right, seeing Jalen Petrie, loved him coming out of Baylor. Loved the blitzing, loved the just the play speed of Petrie, and just to see him come out this past year and the way five interceptions, the way he attacked the ball. Man, Jalen, we got to continue to do that. Right, we got to continue to take the ball away. Christian, linebacker, fast. Right, physical linebacker. Those are the type of players. Right, we can build around. So that does excite me when you have the the young talent that we have here. That does excite me. See, one of the the biggest things about D'Amico Ryan's is 
his ability to develop players, recognizing their strengths and playing them to their strengths. It is something that in every line of work, good managers recognize talent in their staff, what they're best at, and use them to their best capabilities. Poor managers, like the guy who just got his ass fired out of here, poor managers, they don't care what you're good at. This is the system. Do the system. So what if the system is stupid? So what if the system is a failure? You have to do the system. Here's D'Amico talking about, man, I, I know what Derek Stingley can do. I know how good a player he is. I'm going to use him for his strengths. Lovey Smith, we're going to play this soft Tampa 2, and you're just going to deal with it. I don't care if you're an amazing man, corner. I, I, I didn't draft you. I don't care. That recognition, that ability to, to adapt uh, to adapt to the, the strengths of your player is there between a guy who's really good at player development and a guy who's really good at wasting your damn money. This is why I was so adamant Lovey had to go. You can't have uh, your, your head coach not focused 100% on getting the most out of your young talent. When you spend a top three pick on a corner so that your head coach can treat him like, yeah, we got him in the seventh round, whatever. We're not really going to have him cover anybody directly. We're just going to put him in this big old soft zone. What, what did that do? What did that accomplish? That was Lovey being completely inflexible with his system. It did not get the most out of Stingley. It did not get the most out of Petrie. It did not get the most out of Harris. D'Amico will get the most. And, and that right there, just that statement tells you literally everything you need to know about the current mindset of how things are going to run with the Houston Texans versus the previous mindsets. Guys like David Culley, who, you know, couldn't even say the word analytics, let alone implement them. Lovey Smith, who, who didn't want to be on the same page with, with Nick Casario. I'm just going to do it my way. Your way sucked. And as a result, the team sucked. They lost no less than five games they should have won. I'm sorry, did you not hear me? I said it's called bad coaching. For those of you who couldn't hear me way in the back. These are, these are things that should excite you. The fact that D'Amico takes pride in being a teacher and a leader of men. Here's more from D'Amico talking about developing and molding young players. I'm most encouraged by seeing a player right, whether it's a Fred Warner or Trey Greenlaw, guys I've worked with, who when people say "Ah, they're not that good, right, they're not good enough, that excites me the most, right, because I I know, right, what it takes. It just takes time, right? It takes belief, right? It takes pouring everything you have into a young man like a Fred Warner who a third-round pick, no one thought he could play, middle linebacker, but I saw something in him. I saw a leader. I saw a guy who loved football, and I saw a guy who 
truly just allowed me to coach him, right? I coach him hard. Sometimes it's a fine line of how I coach him hard. I love him hard, right? Just going back and forth. And now to say that he's the best linebacker in the NFL, I pride myself in that. These are, you know, look, we never heard Lovey say anything like that. I mean, yeah, Lovey had a cool beard. He looked like, you know, Santa Lovey. But is is that, I mean, if we look back on the tenure of Lovey Smith, is his beard the only thing that was a positive? Might be. Might be. Here's more from D'Amico talking about what he has found to be the most important part of becoming a head coach? What I've learned the most about it, being with, it's all about collaboration. Right? And that's what I learned the most, and that's what excites me to be here working with Nick and being able to truly be aligned and build a team together. Right? When we're scouting players, right, it's the scouts looking at a player, it's coaches looking at a player, everybody having their opinion, but we all can come to an agreement if it works for us or not, it's okay. But everybody has a voice, and everybody will be heard when we talk about players. See, and, and again, that everybody will be heard, that's very similar to what Nick Casario said a month ago when describing, okay, this is how the coaching process is going to work because there is no more Jack Easterby trying to usurp all the power out of the room by going, oh, I can just go to the owner and do what I want because I got the whammy on him. These are things that that make a a big deal. Coming up next, uh, we're going to talk to our buddy Kurt Heelan from NBC Sports. uh, Get the latest on what's going on, the NBA before the trade deadline. And, of course, one giant colossal moron uh, decided, I don't care that my team is fourth in the conference. I want out of here again. Next. This is Heisman Trophy winner, College Football Hall of Famer, Eddie George, and you're listening to ESPN 97.5. You're listening to Late Hits on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Presented by Dr. Jennifer Joseph. Get Physical Rx, and by Dr. Krista Reyes, Texas Sinus and Snoring Audiology. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Patrick Creighton. All right, joining us right now on the HRMP guest line, lead NBA writer at NBC Sports, he's our buddy Kurt Heelan. What's going on, Kurt? How are you? I'm doing good. How's it going, Patrick? Uh, good to talk to you, brother. See, we got respect for you over here. You, you come on, you get Guns and Roses. See, when, when, when they don't have respect for you, you come on, you know, they'll play like, you know, uh, uh, who's, who's it that's coming to the rodeo that my wife wanted to go see? Uh, the boy band, uh, New Kids on the Blocks. They play that type of stuff. Oh, they don't God. like you. When they yeah. like you, you get like Guns N' Roses or something like that. So we like you here, yeah, man. We appreciate you. If you bumper me in with new kids on the block, I might just hang out. There's like a 50-50 chance. You know what? I wouldn't blame you because I'd probably, you know, fire the producer like five seconds later. (laughs) Hey, man, uh, NBA trade deadline is coming up. And generally, when you are a team that's top four in your conference, you don't have one of the biggest stars on your team throwing a hissy fit and demanding to be traded because, you know, 
I, I know that we have a shot to win, but nah, screw that. Get me out of here. Again, uh, what is wrong with Kyrie Irving? Oh, I, I, because I value my own sanity, I try not to figure out what's going on in his head. Um, I, I, this, for him, this comes down to a matter of feeling disrespected. Um, he thinks he, he thought this summer he deserved a massive extension from them. And for, I think, obvious reasons that we don't maybe need to detail, the, the Nets were like, nah, we, we'd, we'd like to see, you know, we'd like to see your behavior for a year. And then he goes out and, promotes an anti-Semitic movie in a tweet and <laughs> just, you know, the whole thing comes apart again. Um, he went to, you know, he's been, he's played really well when he's played this year and he, his representative went to him again and talked, wanted to talk extension and they were kind of like, Hey, we'll deal with this in the off season. And the offer they made to him, he considered very low ball, which it probably was. And he just, he's demanded a trade. And shaking up what was, well, frankly, Texas was a pretty dull trade deadline. We were like, ooh, Bogdanovich. Like, it wasn't that thrilling. And this certainly shook it up today. Now, what are the chances the Nets actually, you know, acquiesce to this oh, yeah. trade request? I mean, is this one of those things where, um, you know, if he doesn't get traded, he's, you know, going to have one of those moments where he decides, you know, I'm, I'm too mentally fraught to play. I'm going to take a sabbatical because, you know, that's happened before. Uh, yeah, you know. like, that could happen. The other thing is that he, he is a free agent after this year. He can walk. Um, if you genuinely believe he can walk, and like the teams he wants to go to, like the Lakers or something, it really would require a sign and trade, which is one of the reasons the Nets were hesitant. Like all the teams with cap space, like Houston, um, they're kind of rebuilding and probably not places he wants to be right now. You know, like Houston's going to spend on somebody good this summer, but I don't think Irving, on top of that, if you've got a good young team like Houston with Green and Sangoon and all these guys, is that the influence you want to inject into the locker room? So, like, I think there's a lot of teams with cap space that are kind of like, yeah, we're you know, Orlando, like, yeah, I think we're good. So the Mets thought they could get away with this, but they may have to trade him at the deadline just just to undo the problem. I think I might rather fall down an empty elevator shaft than have to root for <laughs> Kyrie Irving. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you're not alone. And, and he's a great player, and, and he still has that ability late in the game to just absolutely oh. take over down the stretch, be unstoppable, get bucket after bucket, and win the game. The problem is he's out of his damn mind, and you never – there is no warning. There is no knowledge of when that crazy – is coming to town, and when that it's going to have that detrimental effect on you, where he decides, you know what, I, I need a month off, or uh, I'm going to do something and get myself suspended, or like, like just you never know yeah. when that's coming with him. Besides the Lakers, who at this point I guess will do anything to appease LeBron James. Uh, what is the market? Is there an, a, a real market for for Kyrie? There is, although teams are a little hesitant to throw everything in, including the Lakers, actually. Who's been, um, the Lakers are obvious because it's not just a tease, LeBron. They're desperate. I mean, they're, he's 38. He's unbelievably good this year. I mean, he's playing at an all-NBA level. He's been phenomenal, and they're squandering it. Like, this, three games below 500. Um, there's a there's a need there to get something done so or, or get some kind of jolt. So they'll definitely be in the mix. Dallas is in the mix because they are absolutely desperate for a second star. 
Um, that's the team I hear a lot right now. The other one to watch is Phoenix, who, if they can construct a trade that works, it does make sense. A, a Irving Booker backcourt is Chris Paul. Father Time wins every race, man, and Chris Paul starting to really lose that race this year um, at, at age 37. And if the Suns are going to compete in the West this year and in coming years with with Denver and a, and a relatively young Denver team, but an improving Grizzlies team and, and everything that's on the rise in the West over the next couple of years, they need to get better, and Irving does that. So kind of depends on what their new owner thinks, but – those are the three primary ones, and then you've got like the Heat and the Clippers and teams kind of floating around the fringe. Now, we're talking with Kurt Heelan, uh, lead NBA writer, NBCSports.com. Uh, Kurt, I've seen a lot of uh, I people throwing ideas out there with the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine a deal for Kyrie doesn't involve those two first-round picks plus whatever else they can get, but uh, yeah. I keep seeing Russell Westbrook's name, and Last I checked, Russ and KD, not the best of friends, uh, that if, if Russ were to go there, I'm assuming that that's a straight buyout situation. Uh, but I, I had seen that there is a massive tax implication if the, yeah. if the Nets were to, were to pull off that deal. That would cost them something like an additional 50-plus million dollars. Yeah, it's the, like 56 they're paying. They're going to pay. I think 109 in tax, and this would add 56 to it. I'll, I'll tell you that if the reason if 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 they're talking with the Lakers, it's probably a three or four team deal with San Antonio and or Utah involved. Just for that reason, two reasons: a, Westbrook doesn't make them a contender. The Kyrie Irving doesn't, and Kevin Durant, like you said, that's just not going to mesh. Um, there would need to be another team involved in different players going back to Brooklyn and then picks moving around to different teams. And I'm not sure if they can pull that together. They couldn't do it this summer. Now, last year when Kevin Durant got hurt, Kyrie and Harden couldn't coexist. Harden demands a trade. This year, KD gets hurt. Kyrie demands a trade. How long before Kevin Durant says, okay, me too, I want out next? Um, he, he did it this summer. I'd be shocked if he didn't do it again next summer. In fact, I, I, Woj tweeted out earlier today that everybody calling Brooklyn is actually asking for Durant, which he, I, I would imagine, like, I don't know that KD is going to, he's a little more, um, a little, little more subtle, a little more politic than, um, than Irving in some ways and would be willing to like kind of do this quietly behind the scenes. But, if Irving's traded, I would be shocked if Durant starts next season on the Nets. He, he, I, and that that's more of a summer move than a midseason move, especially right now with him being injured. But I would be, yeah, I, I would think that that's next. If you had to take a guess, uh, what do you think is the deal that makes the most sense for Irving right now? I think... If the Suns are willing, if the new Suns owner is willing to pay up and bring and and sign him long term, and they're willing to take that on, and they might be, um, Marty Williams has built a strong culture there. They may think they can, they they can bring him in and make it work. That's the that's the deal that makes the most sense because you can send back Chris Paul, who helps a little bit now, um, but also some combination of Jay Crowder or Cameron Thomas, who are good players, who absolutely fill a need for the Mets, plus some picks. Like It's easiest to construct it that way. It kind of makes the most sense. So I, 
I'd lean Phoenix or Dallas um, over the Lakers right now. Who have to, you know, if the Lakers are bringing in a third team, it gets it gets really messy. And I'm not sure if Dallas. I guess this is really the question for any team that trades for him. Lakers are desperate enough to do it. I'm not sure about the other teams. He wants a four-year deal. This was part of the problem in in Brooklyn. They didn't want to give him a four-year extension, like you said, for obvious reasons. Do you want to get in bed with him for that long? I wouldn't want to get in bed for the four days. <laughs> exactly. I, I, that's where I think Dallas and like the, and some of these teams are just. You really have to think this through, and it might be ends up being a situation where, like this summer, remember this summer, the Nets eventually said, "You want to go find a sign and trade? Go find a sign and trade. Go go for it. If you and your you and your agent go figure it out." And then they ended up accepting the deal and opting in uh, with the Nets. It might be the same kind of thing. It just might not be a great deal out there because everybody else hasn't. Nobody just wants to take him on for that long. Yeah, and like I said, I, I can't blame him. I mean, like, he's a great player, but the all the extra baggage is just—it's—it's it's out of control. Yeah, there was a—I would just say there was a theory that because this was a contract year, he'd be on his best behavior. But like you said, he's already been suspended. Now he's pulled this. So if this is the best behavior, you know. <laughs> just wait till he gets a four-year deal with guaranteed money. Yeah, I don't know that's going. Kurt Heelan, NBC Sports, uh, with us on the HRMP guest line. Kurt, let's uh, let's take a, a look here at the local team, the Rockets. Is there a trade market for Eric Gordon? Yes, if they eventually bring the, I, I think this is the year they actually bring that price down from the first that they haven't been able to get for him and take well, heavily protected first, some seconds, whatever it ends up being. Um, I got a feeling that this is the time. There's certainly a market for him. There's certainly. Um, it's probably something that happens pretty close to the deadline, especially now that the Kyrie Irving domino is out there. Um, but it, it just feels like this is the year they get that done, and, it, and he moves somewhere. I mean, and honestly, I think he can help. Like, if you're a contending team or a good playoff team, he's a guy who can give you 15, 20 good minutes a night. There's been uh, a few suggestions, we'll call them about, uh, you know, the Rockets, look, they've got too many young players, and everybody can't get minutes even though apparently they're trying. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to package up some of these young guys and go get a legitimate veteran starter who can really contribute. Uh, there have been some people who think they should maybe do that here at the deadline as opposed to waiting until the off offseason. Uh, is there any benefit to the Rockets doing that, does it make any sense for them to do that, or should the Rockets be holding all the cards close to the vest until we get to the offseason? I'm going to put this as delicately as I can. Why the hell would you be trying to win games? I mean, in all honesty, if you're where the Rockets are right now, I'm not saying that the coach is going to try to tank, but my man, there's no way in the front office I'm helping that cause out. Right? The, the the talent at the top of this draft with Wembyanda and Scoot Henderson, and frankly, if you fell down a couple of spots, like uh, uh, Doctor Doctor, the Thompson twins are good. That's my one eighties reference. Tonight. <laughs> um, like, but but like, there's good talent in this draft, up and down. So I would ride out this season as painful as it kind of can be, and then yeah, this off season you can talk about the young players. You've got some cap space. You can. I think, and I think this is true in Detroit too. I think the days of losing to get another high draft pick are kind of over. I think that they're everybody's kind of ready to move on. I just think because of what's at the top of this draft, 
you can't do it now. You just can't. It, the, 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 the value of the top two picks in this draft are too high to throw away even the whatever the percentage, 25%, 30 I'd have to, I'd have to look up the chance of getting the top two off the top of my head. But whatever it is, it's so great it's worth it. Kurt, uh, is, is Steven Silas dead man walking here? And uh, how hot is the seat underneath Rafael Stone? I got a feeling, yes, with um, Silas. I think that there's just a sense. Of, and I, I don't have that from anybody in Houston. I'll just say that just talking around the league, there's a sense that, that, that they haven't seen the development they'd hoped for in a couple of cases. That's outside of the same game who's been phenomenal this year. But that they're, they're looking for, and plus, basically, we were just talking about transitioning to a next phase. So maybe a new coach there. I don't know about Stone. Um, that's certainly possible. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, with the current ownership, like how many years are left on his deal? <laughs> like that, that will factor in as well. But I don't, I would be honest, I, just to be honest, I don't, I haven't heard anything, but I haven't really asked. He's Kurt Heelan, uh, elite NBA writer for NBCSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Basketball Talk. Kurt, always appreciate talking with you, man. I, I appreciate your time. Always lots of great stuff. Uh, let's try to do this again soon. Yeah, you call me back after you guys prayed for Kyrie. We'll be good. <laughs> right, right as I'm, uh, you know, asking the doctor to save me from drowning myself in the tub. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate care, you, man. sir. Take care. Kurt Heelan, NBC Sports, uh, on the HRNP guest line. I mean, I, I can't think of a worse situation than the Rockets trading for, for Kyrie Irving. Like, that, that would make me want to, you know, buy fentanyl. That, that, that bad. Uh, however, I, I probably would be okay if they turned around and said to Brooklyn, we'll give you all your draft picks back for Kevin Durant. Now, I don't think KD would want to come here. Uh, although, you know, maybe he looks at it and says, well, there's cheap young talent. There'll be cap space. We could go buy another star. And then I could have me, another star that I want, and a bunch of young guys who could, could play. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I would rather get the job done with sandpaper than have Kyrie Irving in Houston. That's that's a guarantee. T. Late hits. ESPN 97.5. You're listening to Late Hits on ESPN 97.5. On ESPN 92.5. Presented by Dr. Jennifer Joseph. Get Physical Rx. And by Dr. Krista Reyes. Texas Sinus and Snoring Audiology. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Patrick Creighton. And to address a couple of things on the Twitch stream, yes, Dylan Brooks uh, threw a backhand straight into the uh, nether regions of Donovan Mitchell yesterday. That uh, landed him a basketball to the head and got thrown down. Uh, Brooks got a uh, one-game suspension today. And uh, Mitchell got a, what, $25,000 fine for retaliating. So that's the nonsense. You expect a guy to get hit in the junk and not retaliate? Like, that is the dumbest thing. See, to me, if you deliberately hit another guy in the junk in the NBA... And we've seen Rodman do this. We've seen Draymond Green do this lots of times. Hell, we even saw James Harden do it. If you hit a guy in the junk on purpose, you should A, be ejected, 
and B, sit for at least five games. That should be a, look, if you do this, you're going to get an unusually stiff penalty because this is like against all things that should be even remotely considered disgraceful. And if you do it a second time, it should be 10 games. And if you do it a third time, it should be 20 games. And you just keep, you know, double it up, double it up every time they do it to get that kind of nonsense out of the game. That's going to start a bench-clearing brawl. If if you're that guy who's going to, you know, try to play bag tag with somebody, you deserve all the beatings in the world. So, yeah, I don't don't feel bad for uh, for Dylan Brooks. I do feel bad for Donovan Mitchell, who had no business being fined for defending himself from getting hit in the in the family jewels. Yeah, you know, trade deadlines and trades. Anytime you talk about trades and big name players, it always, you know, gets a little fun, a little excitement going. And, oh, there's a couple of uh, big name quarterbacks in the NFL, reportedly on the trade block. Uh, Derek Carr, apparently the Raiders today told Derek Carr's agent, go find a deal. Go help your own cause. And Packers, hey, as long as you're not in the NFC, you have a chance to acquire Aaron Rodgers, apparently, for who knows what. And, of course, Aaron Rodgers is now going to be 39, and you got to deal with all his QAnon and crazy conspiracy theories with COVID and uh, the fact that he absolutely will throw his wide receivers under the bus and not care. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, not a guy who takes well to coaching, kind of wants to do his own thing, thinks every coach he's ever played for is a bumbling idiot. Yeah, um, Aaron Rodgers, great player and colossal pain in the ass. But that probably won't stop a team like uh, the J-E-S-T, Jest, 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 from going out and getting him. And it probably shouldn't. Although if you're Robert Sala, you might choke him out. Which... I that'd be great pay-per-view material. So I was taking a look at Derek Carr's contract because he signed a three-year $121 million contract that included a little over $65 million guaranteed. His signing bonus is only $7.5 million, so the signing bonus isn't big money. It's the salaries that are big. It basically was, hey, if we trade you, we're off the hook for all this money. So here's the craziness with his, uh, with, with his stuff here. See, they had an out where... Uh, after next year, they could get out with just like five five and a half million dollars in dead cap somehow, according to Spot Track. But uh, his signing bonus and his twenty twenty two salary were were all guaranteed. So for twenty twenty three, only seven and a half million of his twenty twenty four salary uh, are fully guaranteed, and that kicks into effect in twelve days. And that's guaranteed for injury. So right now it's 
the $33 million, 32.9, let's say $33 million that he's got this year, and then $7.5 million of the $42 million he would get paid next year, which there's no way in hell he's seeing. If you uh, if you could get Derek Carr um for a fourth round pick, which I can't imagine that Derek Carr would go that cheaply, but if the Raiders are going to turn around and try to trade for Aaron Rodgers, does that mean that either a I mean I, I can't imagine the Packers would want to take Carr back because if they're going to trade Aaron Rodgers, they're going to hand the keys to Jordan Love. At that point. You have an expensive quarterback that you need to get rid of, hence becomes devalued. How many teams around the league could use a Derek Carr for a third or fourth round pick? Uh, Carolina? I know it's about, well, could Carolina draft a quarterback? Carolina drafted Matt Corral last year, and then Corral got hurt before the season started. So they've got a young passer who they're going to have, a guy who was a, uh, you know, a, a big-time college quarterback. I don't know if, if Carolina desperately needs to draft another quarterback, but giving Corral a year to sit behind Derek Carr probably wouldn't necessarily be all that awful. Could the Tampa Bay Buccaneers use a quarterback? Could the New Orleans Saints use a quarterback? You know, there's... Could the Tennessee Titans use a quarterback? Because Ryan Tannehill did not look great, was hurt a lot. Malik Willis is clearly a project quarterback, and that project's not done. Maybe you get Derek Carr, and I don't know, maybe a receiver who can catch a football, and that'll help. I know the Dolphins have claimed that they're sticking with Tua, but I mean, how many concussions is that poor guy going to get before uh, he gets thrown off to the Wolves? I can't imagine they're going to give him another contract uh, because let's say he gets, let's say he plays next year and has another head injury. Like, there's no way. There's no way. I mean, hell, if he gets another head injury, it might be in his best interest to say, you know what, guys, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to have um, CTE at 27. So there's, there's a lot of if, – if, if the price was right, if you're the Patriots, how much do you believe in Mac Jones? Because honestly, I don't think Mac Jones is all that good. I don't I don't see Mac Jones as a guy who can win you a game. And considering the Patriots won games where he threw two passes, maybe they don't necessarily think he is a big time quarterback either. There's a lot of teams that could that could use a Derek Carr. And look, after you have him for one year, or hell, once you get him, you probably rip this contract up, give him a new deal that's more cap friendly for you. And you know what? If uh, if he turns out he doesn't play well, you, well, there's not a lot of guarantees. We're out 
we're out easy. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. One thing we've learned about the NFL is just because this is what a guy's deal is, does not mean it's going to stay that way. Right? Deal, deals get ripped up all the time. Deshaun Watson's deal got ripped up for a bigger deal, and all he had to do was assault like thirty women. So contracts in the NFL literally don't. They're not even worth the paper they're written on. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, with with all these guys getting moved around. All right, coming up next, yay or nay on uh, this two-time World Series champ. Late hits. My name is Stephen A. Smith, and you're listening to 98.7. Wait, what? I said 98.7. That's my show. Let's try this one more time, okay? My name is Stephen A. Smith, and you're listening to 97.5 FM.